I uh, did a little research last night as we get ready for the sermon today. The title is, Can You Hear Me Now? How many of you remember that slogan? What, what company was that with? Verizon. Verizon. That was the beginning of the end, in my opinion, of life of freedom as we know it. It was that campaign that sucked in the, the, uh, the masses into what we call technology today. Now, we're just going to do a quick survey. The title of the sermon today is, Can You Hear Me Now? Uh, we're going to kind of relate this whole thing. You'll see the sequence of the points related to technology and phones and smartphones and all that we deal with on that level. I think it's exponentially getting worse and worse. I had an idea years ago. And uh, first service was really great. See, now I'm going to earn it back, okay? First service was really great at this, that that they swore their allegiance to me. Um, I'm going to ask the same from you. I'm going to tell you what my great idea is that Janine and I are going to retire on and that we'll do future building projects here. And that is, I I even checked last night and it's still out there. It's still available. I want to trademark the term Ehab. Ehab. Because I think a lot of people need to go to Ehab. Alright? A lot of people need to go to Ehab. That was never more apparent in my own household uh, than this Friday. I had some fun. You want to have fun with your family? Take away the modem. Alright? Take away the modem and you will see sudden, I don't know, withdrawals? You know, a lot of things you see at rehab, you know. And so it was a little test for this sermon and I went, and, uh, actually, it wasn't that gruesome. I went and got a new modem that was much better, but I had a new password. So nobody could get on it. And we started with this whole new process that I was very excited about. And that was when the kids got in the car, I informed them, okay, so there's a new thing. If you want the password, you get your homework done, you get your um, chores done, and you make sure that I have my proper liquid and my feet are propped up and I've had a nice massage. No, I'm just adding that part. Um, you've never seen such attentive... I've never seen such attentiveness to the expectation of family rules and participation. It was phenomenal. You really want to have fun with a situation like that. Have them go through all that and then just leave one number out. And, and just keep telling them over and over. Because there's like 14 numbers. They're capitalized and they're letters. And so you're like over and over and over. It was a lot of fun. And then I, I just said, oops, I left a three out. There you go. And uh, so we had a lot of fun, and it's become very apparent that my family does need, in fact, to go to Ehab. I've coined the phrase, and I will be its first client. So this morning, as we move through this, there's going to be a little flavor of all of it. And then we've got a punchline coming at the very end to help us. Really, the idea that I want you to walk away with today speaks to this problem. And you're saying, Pastor, you're silent. What happened? You're having a, a, a coronary on the stage? You're never silent. I wanted to see who in the room has been in church culture so long that they know exactly what I'm talking about. And so I was scanning your faces to see who knows what Christianese is. So, next Sunday, we will observe the Lord's table. If someone new were to walk through the door 
and you were to tell them we're having communion, or they see it written in the bulletin, communion, could you imagine the images that they get in their head? What is communion? Are we lighting incense? Are we sitting crisscross applesauce? Are we going to like start throwing flowers at each other? What are we doing? What is communion? We don't even think twice about it, right? We get communion. So where we're going today, remember, where we're going today is a big Christianese word. That's why I'm bringing this up. What I want you to walk away with today is Christianese level 400. So what's another Christianese term? Just so you kind of get where I'm going with this. Father Weegis. How many of you use Father Weegis? You speak Father Weegis language. Some of you, yes, yes. Okay, you've heard me say this before. Some of you are like, what are you talking about? Oh, you've probably used it. If you've been in church and you pray at all, you've probably used this. I flashed up there just for a second. Yes. When we pray to the Father, it would sound something like this. Father, we just seek your blessing. Father, we just want you to move in our midst. Father, we just enjoy your blessing upon blessing. Father, we just, Christianese. How about lift you up? Somebody comes through the, those doors and, and you say hi and, and you're asking, you know, uh, hey, how can I lift you up? They're going to take 10 steps back. Okay? Especially if I walk up to them and say, hey, I want to know how I can lift you up. <laughs> Don't touch me. Right? Christianese. Last one, and the one I want you to focus on today, devotions. Right? We know, if you've been around church at all, you know what I mean when I say devotion. If you haven't been around, you're thinking, what is that? What is devotions? You know, here's the interesting fact, and here's where I'll... We get a little bit of a twist here now. I'm not sure even if we've been in church for very long that we understand what this means. And so that's what this message is about. As a matter of fact, Daniel 9, the way it presents itself, in my opinion, is the single greatest chapter in Scripture to show us the importance, the importance of devotional life and the process of devotional life. So let's get into it, shall we? Here we go. Point number one, do you text? Because Daniel did. Amazing, isn't it? How did he text? Was he with Verizon? Was he with AT&T? Was he with Sprint? Who was he with? What was his plan? Well, let's look. Verses 1 and 2. It says, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by descent, a Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the numbers of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. What's happening here? Daniel is in the word of God. Now, last week we were all the way back at the time under Belshazzar, the Babylonian king. Now we've, we've come back forward later in Daniel's life, later in the chronology of the story and now he's going back and he's looking. And this is purposeful, my friends, because Daniel was aware. He knew that there was going to be a time period. He wasn't unfamiliar with this prophecy. But what is he doing? He knows that we're getting close, so he goes back. Have you ever done that as a believer? That, that you, you, know, you know, I can do all things through what? Him who strengthens me. The first time you read it, you were done, right? You never went back to that verse. Of course you did. 
And then you read the context around it and you studied it. Why? Because you were motivated because you needed it. Daniel's right there. So Daniel has a need and he needs to hear from God. He needs to hear from God. Have you ever been in that point in time? I believe that you are there right now. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here this morning. So what's the first process if you want to hear from God? You need to text. You need to text. This is what Daniel does. He gets into Jeremiah 25. He goes to the prophecy out of Jeremiah. God spoke to Daniel through the Word, not just visions. So when we think of Daniel, we think of Daniel's in the lion's den. We think of the writing on the wall. We think of these visions. We think of all this. I want you to get this picture now that Daniel's in this intermediate period. He's, he's gone through some of this stuff and, and there's still more to come. Prophecies are happening at, at, a, at a flash rate. And yet, what does he do? He's not sitting around waiting for the next vision. He's not sitting around waiting for the next prophecy. He gets into the Word of God for his answers. This is the first part of having a devotional life where you actually hear God. Let me time out. We'll, we'll get back to this real quickly. I just want to emphasize how important this is. Because what pastors find is that they want to, as a shepherd, see their sheep go through a loving and depth, and as we'll see in, in 2 Corinthians 3, degree by degree, closer relationship with God by those that are in His flock. How does that happen? Because for many of us, we've been around this for so long, it becomes routine and it becomes boring. And even our devotional life can become boring. And we're not impressed anymore. And it's been a long time since we've heard from God. This morning's message is so desperately important that we get revitalized into that devotional relationship. And not only for the purpose and motivation of saying, I want to hear from God. But what you'll hear this morning is a plan of how to, you will, you will hear from God if you do these things. So let's look at it. So what did he, what did he find when he was texting? By the way, you should tell people that. That's a great evangelistic tool. When I was texting this morning, I was reading that uh, that text is a light unto my feet and a guide unto my path. What are you talking Who texted you that? Oh, God did. Yeah, God did. In Psalms. Oh, yeah. If I trust in the Lord with all my ways and lean not on my own understanding, and on and on. What? Who texted you that? Oh, God did. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Would you like some texts like that? Because I could send you some. Kind of a cool little way to do that, right? Well, let's look at the text that Daniel was looking at. Jeremiah 25, 8-9. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, because you have not obeyed my words, behold, I will send for all the tribes of the north, declares the Lord, and for Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. Isn't this fascinating? Now, this is after he's seen Nebuchadnezzar die. And yet, prior to the captivity, prior to Nebuchadnezzar coming, this prophecy was given. Think about how that works for you getting into the Word of God. When God gives a promise and then it happens, does that not solidify and deepen your relationship? Are you not hearing from God? Does that not make you want to be more consistent in having relationship with Him? That builds that devotion in your life because He's true. 
Because he's right. Because he's, he does what he says he does. So see how this can relate to us. Daniel's looking into the prophecies by Jeremiah and he says, yes, that's exactly what happened. How does that help? How does that work? How does that draw him? How is he hearing from God? Because he already knew that part. Well, look at this. Remember, when we looked at verse 1, he said that he was going back and he was trying to discern the number of days of the captivity. And so on and on it goes. Well, he looks at verse 12. Then after 70 years are completed, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, the land of the Chaldeans, for their iniquity, declares the Lord, making the land an everlasting waste. If somebody predicts something that is so outlandish and it comes true, the next thing that they predict, are you going to listen to it? Somebody just told me that there's some guy who's Dutch who says that on uh, such and such a day, we're going to have a 9.8 earthquake um, that's going to destroy California. Okay? Get in line, buddy. Okay? How fantastic. He's probably on the payroll of that new movie, San Andreas. Okay? Trying to get everybody to go see it. By the way, San Francisco gets destroyed once again. I don't know. They need to make movies where San Francisco gets rebuilt in between these movies where it gets destroyed. It's just not all that believable. But when God does something that is, is so far out and it happens, does that not prove his trustworthiness, his credibility? So that if you're searching for that answer, like Daniel was searching in the text while he's texting and he wants to hear from God, he finds the answer and it shows that they're close. They're close to the 70 years being done. What does that do for you? What does that do for Daniel? What does that do for the people? We didn't sit around and wait for another vision. He went to the Word and he got the message from the Word. And the Word is accurate. The Word is true. And so he's, he's got hope. A time is coming. A time is coming where things are going to change. So do you text? Well, Daniel spent time in the Word. God spoke to Daniel through the Word in Jeremiah, not just visions. But the Word spoke to Daniel and Daniel was compelled to respond back. That brings us to our next point. Hands-free calling. Does anybody understand hands-free calling? It is not hands-free. When you get in the car, you, you put it in, you still have to do something. You have to touch something to get it to get into the point where it's going to listen to you so you can do hands-free calling. Unless I'm missing something. Yeah, I mean, if anybody can help me with that, I'd, I'd love it. But true hands-free calling is this idea that there's no limitations. There's freedom in it. Do you feel free to pray? Do you feel free and liberated in your prayers and access to the Father? And what do those prayers look like? You see, Daniel started with the texting, didn't he? And what happened? He responded in prayer. How do you hear God? You start with what He's already revealed, what He's already communicated, and then you start communicating with Him about that subject. And you start imploring Him. So Daniel goes to prayer. Let's look at verses 3 through 19. We won't look at all of them right now, but I'll read the first part. He says this, Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking Him by what? By prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love Him and keep His commandments. Some great understanding of how God works with us in those words, in those words in that verse. 
Then he says, We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us is open shame. At this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away in all the lands to which you have driven them, because of the treachery that they have committed against you. So let's look at this. Let's break this down. Number one, he starts with a heart of worship. He reads the text. He sees the answer that he's searching for. And it drives him to respond now. God has spoken. Have you ever been on a phone call where you just never said anything? That call doesn't last long, right? That's not communication. When somebody's talking to you from the other end, you hopefully talk back. You respond. That's how prayer works. And so, in our prayer time, start with text. Start with what God has already said about Himself. And then let it meander out from there. And let's give you some basics. Number one, start your prayer with worship. When you go before Him to talk with Him, don't run into the throne room in a rushed and hurried fashion. Understand that there's a sense of worship that's, that's appropriate when we're going before God. Now, does that mean you have to talk in Greek? Yes. So learn some... No, you don't. How about the king's English? These and thou's. No. You don't. You're going to hear some interesting things that Daniel does here in this prayer. Can you hear God? Watch what happens with Daniel. But watch how he forms his prayer. Number one, he starts with a heart of worship. Number one, he's seeking after God. Did you catch that in there? That he sought after God. Sometimes in our prayers, I think we, we get so mechanical and so rushed that we're really not seeking God. We're just praying. Does that make sense? We're just praying. We're praying out of habit. We're not seeking God. We're doing religion. Stop. That's like, that's like talking on the phone and while it's on hold. Okay? Because I, I, I visualize, and this is me speaking, not the Lord, not the text, but I visualize if we're going to be that mechanical about our prayers, God just puts us on hold. Okay? Seek after Him. Secondly, fasting. Daniel talks about the fact that he went after, he was seeking Him and then pleased for mercy with fasting. You know, I, I tried to diet. I went on a diet a while ago. And uh, they might as well have called it fasting, as far as I'm concerned. Um, the only good thing about this diet was that um, it centered a lot on meat. And I love meat. But can I just tell you that there are ramifications to dieting, my friends. You diet lovers. Um, as a matter of fact, I know somebody that was dieting here, and they became... Uh, they ended up with a gluten reaction because of a diet. we got all these things going on with us. It's just really weird, right? But now I can't enjoy meat. It's a tragic day, my friends. Be careful what you diet on. Because a steady stream 
Maybe that would work, honey. Maybe I should just get ice cream and hot fudge sundaes nonstop for a month. Then I won't eat those anymore. Maybe that'll work. Fasting is not dieting. Fasting, we, have, we hear that with our medical processes, right? You go in and you've got you to gotta have a procedure done. You have to, what? Hit the fast the night before. And we're all suffering for about eight hours. We're sleeping for six of those eight. And, uh, but the purpose is, is like, even if you're doing it for a medical reason, when you get up in the morning, that's when you're really feeling it, right? That's when you really start to feel that fast. It's got your attention. Folks, that's the point of it, is that your body is going to remind you when it needs to eat. And the purpose behind fasting is that you have a, you're seeking after God for a purpose and a reason. And you're praying, but you want deeper interaction. You really want to hear from God. You need something that's of a deeper consequence and a deeper um, connection, if you will. And by doing this, every time you feel that hunger, it drives you to think about the reason, why am I doing this again? Why am I doing this again? And it causes you to be in prayer over and over and over again. I highly recommend fasting as part of your discipline and devotion to the Lord um, under a doctor's supervision or just a careful procedure to help you through that process. But that's one of the ways that we can deepen our our approach in hearing God in, in our prayers is through fasting. The next is ceremony. Now, this is something where the Protestant church has not done real well, is that we've cast aside a lot of ceremony because ceremony had become the thing. And we substituted, uh, in the history of the church, we substituted ceremony for Christ. And so after the Reformation, we got rid of a lot of ceremony in the Protestant church. And I think there's something to be said for ceremony. That if it helps enhance and helps us in that process of hearing God, and there's nothing necessarily wrong about that. That if we want to kneel while we pray as something that's ceremony, um, we stand sometimes while we sing. That's part of our ceremony. Um, if at a point in time while you're praying over something that's specific, by lighting a candle it would remind you. Um, it's, that's not evil to light a candle to remind you. Now, if you put some power into that idea of lighting that candle, then we've gone too far. But there are certain ceremonies that we can put into um, our devotional time. Maybe we walk. Maybe we go on a walk while we talk with God. Maybe we go into a prayer closet. Maybe we build in prayer and fasting. Whatever it would be. But ceremony can be a very good and healthy thing. And so where did I get ceremony from? This idea of sackcloth, putting on sackcloth, was a ceremonial process for the Jews. It was a reflective process of a, of a humble and contrite heart going before God. I think we could use a little bit more ceremony in our life to help us in this devotional. Exaltation is the last point here that I'm pulling from what I see Daniel doing. As he talks about God in these great, great words, awesome God, steadfast love, keeping His commandments, on and on and on. He goes throughout the entire chapter. Where is our estimation of who God is? And is that reflected in our prayer time? Because if I come in with an underestimated appreciation of who God is, then my prayers are going to be underestimated, aren't they? If I really want to hear from God, if I've got the wrong idea of who God is, and, 
and I have this now limited perspective of who God is, am I really going to hear from God? Exaltation is one of our, it's our first point of our five uh, missional um, thoughts that we have at Concord Bible. Build it into your devotional life. Build it into your approach of how you see and how you think of God. Do not let this evacuate from your devotional life. Because this, this point, will set ablaze your relationship with God. It truly will. Having the right understanding and estimation of your God will set on fire your appreciation, your love, and your desire for Him. Let's move on under this heart of worship. So then we see Him go into this mode of confession. Let's read some of this. Uh, We've got verses 1-6 through that I already read. Um, We'll get into verse 11. But you see Him talk about things like, We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from Your commandments and rules. And, and in all honesty, till we get down to verse 19, this is a constant thing. He just goes on and on and on and on and on about their transgressions. Why has he said that? Because he's, he has read the text. He's been texting, right? And he sees why God is warning them, turn from your transgressions. Have a heart of humility and confess. And they don't. And what happened? Disaster. Disaster happened. So now the text is informing Daniel and saying that 70 years is coming up. The turnover is about to happen. And what's fresh in Daniel's mind? What causes him to seek? What causes him from the texting to move into hands-free calling? It's this understanding that who God is and who He says He is will remain true and right. And what is coming is going to happen. We need to get our lives straight so we don't put this in jeopardy. And so he starts confessing. He starts confessing for the nation. He starts confessing for himself. He uses the pronoun we. He's not just talking about the nation of Israel. He starts confessing. Have you ever gone over your minutes? In case you're having a problem figuring out this whole confessing thing. Have you ever gone over your minutes? You're not going to admit it if you do. You guys are hilarious. You're like, I don't get it anyway. What's this going over your minutes? So it's always fun. We, we have this little thing. It's an app on our, on our family's cell phones. And it now tells us who went over. Right? I encourage you when you go over your minutes, I want you to call your service provider. And I want you just to say, you guys are so nice. You guys, I think your company is great. That's why I've been with you for 18 months. And, and you gave me this great phone, completely free. It's great. You guys are so great. Um, you know, there's this $20 fee that showed up on my bill. I don't understand. Why is that there? Oh, we're sorry, Mr. Cook, but, you know, your data, you went over. Oh, well, but you know, what's over, really? You know, over. You know, one man's over is another man's under. You know, what? Come on. Right? I want you to try that. And when you're going to do it, I want you to call me ahead of time because I want to be there recording the message. Okay? Because that'll be fun. You're not going to do it, are you? Here's why you're not going to do it. Because the law is the law. The contract and what you agree to 
is true and tried and stays permanent. And you know it. You're not going to get them to like take that fee up. You might one time, right? Oh, I didn't know. I don't get this. I just started with this. You know, a, a, new, dawn, a new day has come. A new dawn has arisen. My friends, Mike Redlick is getting his first smartphone. Yes, he is coming out of the dark ages of analog signal. And he is moving into this. And so for Mike, they may make an exception. I could just hear Mike say, I, I didn't understand this whole thing about minutes and data and all. This is very confusing to me. Now, okay, we'll forgive you this one time. I just want to be there. If, you try, you, if, if you've been doing this for a while, you're not going to do that. Why? Because there's a contract. Now, let me, let me help you with two things. Number one, sin can be defined in the Greek multiple ways, but l- let me give you two. I'm not even going to attempt the Hebrew, but one is hamartia. Hamartia is this idea of missing the mark. This is like involuntary as well, okay? Voluntary or involuntary. It's just missing God's standard. And what I want you to think of when you think of this is a dartboard. I used to have a dartboard in my, my office as a youth pastor, and I didn't learn quickly enough to remove everything else around it. And I came in one day to my office. There was a, it was a big, big office in a trailer, and they had Sunday school in there. And I came in later, and I'm looking later in the week, and there is a dart in a plaque that was next to the dartboard. This was this beautiful plaque for a, a team I coached, one CIF, and just this beautiful trophy, and there's a dart hole in the middle of it. And I'm thinking, oh yeah, there's some Hamardia going on there. This person missed the mark big time. That's that idea. And, and it can be even involuntary, right? Because had there been those things that you've learned about God's standard from the text that you didn't know before, but you were still a believer, there's, God's standard is still God's standard. Now that's Hamardia. That's one form of sin. Another form is called parabasis. And that's where God has said, this is my commandment. This is my holy commandment. And this is the line in the sand. And when we say, or he says to you, thou shalt not covet. Well, I really like that car. And I'm not even going to think about not coveting. I'm going to make the decision to do it. And I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm going to go look at it. And I'm going to drive it. I'm going to drive it again and again and again. And then I'm going to like take pictures of it. And then I'm going to take it to my friend who knows how to do Photoshop. I'm going to have him put my face inside that car. And then I'm going to put that all over the inside of my house. And I'm going to obsess over it. You're like thinking, Pastor, you're weird. Did you really do that? No, no. The idea is that there's a line, God's holy standard, and you actively choose to go over it. That's parabasis. This is what the people... The, of, of Judah did. They transgressed willfully. Even when God warned and warned and warned and warned. And we make these choices ourselves, my friends. So, going over your minutes, you need to acknowledge the transgression. This is what Daniel is doing. He's acknowledging their parabasis before God. Do you want to know how to pray? Do you want to know how to hear God? You've got to come with a contrite heart and you have to recognize those moments where you willfully chose to do your will versus God's will. And then you open up the lines of communication. How can you understand this in a deeper way? Think about someone that has offended you or someone you have offended and there's a hurt, a willful hurt between the two of you. And just go out to lunch. Just go out to lunch. Go to a movie together. 
go to some big celebration together. Have you ever avoided something like a wedding or a party because you knew that person would be there and you didn't want to have to go through an uncomfortable situation? You're not hearing from them, are you? And they're not hearing from you. Why? Because there's a transgression. We don't like to talk about that in our society, do we? But the reality is, is it's real. And Daniel got it. And so Daniel starts confessing for the people. And then what does he do next? Well, let me just ask you, let's read verses 8 through 11 first. It says this, To us, O Lord, belongs open shame. To our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belongs mercy and forgiveness. For we have rebelled against Him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in His laws, which He set before us by His servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and the oath that was written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against Him. Now you'll see I have a reference here for Leviticus. It was actually in the previous uh, section I don't have time to go back to that, but you should look at it because it actually predicts this time. Even at the time of Moses, right, when the law was written, it predicts what the nation of Israel and Judah were going to do and what they were going to suffer because of their rebellious attitude. So it goes all the way back to that time. Are we listening? Are we listening to God? And how do we handle that? You want to hear from God in your devotions. Start with texting and go to hands-free calling. Pray. When you start praying, start with worship. Then when worship is done, not done, when, when worship is established, move into confession. Move into confession. What's next? Ask. Right? It doesn't hurt to ask. For what? Mercy. Did you hear that in there? Did you hear him asking for mercy? Verses 16 through 19 is much more specific. He says this, O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. Now therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to the pleas of mercy or for mercy. And for your own sake, Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake. O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. Wow. Now, I could have read this like this. Father, we just hope that you will establish a great joy amongst your people. I need you to hear this clearly. I don't want you to get confused. The language that's here is not passive language. And it's not to be read passively. You didn't hear me read it passively, did you? Could you imagine telling God to pay attention? We don't talk that way. Christian culture. We have a prayer meeting coming up next week. 
Somebody shows up. Rachel shows up. She says, God, pay attention! Membership revoked. It's gone. Sorry, Rachel. Daniel is. Have you ever had to talk a little bit louder into your phone? Because they couldn't hear you? Because you want to get your message across. Now here's the challenge. We talk about being open and having this transparency and this sense of urgency and passion that we see with Daniel while he's praying. He's not afraid to ask. But here's why he has the allowance to have that kind of audience and that kind of tone before God in his prayers. Number one, he started with texting. He understood what God's standard is. And he understood where the failings of the people were. He understood what was at stake. And now what he is burdened with is not his own demise, not his own issues, not his own challenges, wants, or desires. What he is getting all burned up about and what he's getting impassioned about is that God's name is becoming a laughing stock amongst the peoples. Because of the people's sin, Jerusalem is no longer a power. It is no longer seen as powerful. It is, it is God's name is being slighted. Does that sound like the American church today? It is laughable how weak our churches are. I'm not talking about this building. I'm talking about the people that make the church. Because we're not hearing from God. We're hearing from society. The world is bending our ear and changing the text to match what they want. And we're listening. We're listening. And God's holy church is becoming laughable. So can we start praying, please? Can we ask, please, that God would remind His people and that we would confess the the hearts of the church that have given themselves over to... We sang, let's not give ourselves over to other gods. There's a reason we sang that song today. That we as the church would be something where God would be shown brightly that His countenance would be apparent, that His power, His ability would be manifested so that it is attractive. You get in the book of Nehemiah, which follows when when the people come back from Babylon, from Persia, and they reestablish. It says that they were able to build the wall in 52 days and that the surrounding nations knew this was impossible under man's power and they knew that the God of Israel was back. And they feared greatly. They left Israel alone. Not because Israel was there. They knew God. The God that they had heard about was back. Is it possible to change our nation? Absolutely. Absolutely. But that starts with devotion. That starts with each of us hearing from God and acting on it. So please, don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to ask. Avoid the penalties whenever possible, right? We call our provider and we say what? Oh, I am... Um, yeah. And, and you know what? It gets, it gets even better than this. Because some of us really know, right? We know how to work the system, right? Like your cable provider. 
okay? Uh, your cable and it's not very good and it's giving you problems and fits. And so you call up and you say, hey, I'm thinking I'm going to cancel my service. Oh, Mr. Cook, why would you do that? What, what, is there a problem? Can we do something for you? And, uh, and, and I say, no, I don't think so. I, I, just the equipment's not very good and it just kind of blanks out. And they say, well, we'll give you 42,000 extra channels and we'll give that to you at less money for um, you know, a promotional time period of a, you know, 48 months. How's that sound? And we'll replace your equipment. Oh, okay, that sounds great. And then what do you start learning? Oh, you can start negotiating and pitting these companies against each other, right? To get yourself the best deal. You all know what I'm talking about. Some of you don't, and some of you are looking at me like, you're so corrupt. I didn't say I did it. But we have this idea that's built into us intrinsically or from our society. Avoid the penalties whenever possible. You know what? There's something biblical about that. Any of us willing to surrender our salvation because we just know that we're so sinful and we deserve it? No! Man, if, if... if Christ went to the cross for me and paid that penalty, and He did it so that... Because a penalty's got to get paid, right? A penalty's got to get paid. There's a great commercial that's out right now. Actually, it's not that great, but, you know, Kevin Durant's in it, and I kind of like Kevin Durant. He's a basketball player. And so it's all about, you know, phones and phone bills again. And so they have this person up on the witness stand and says, you know, such and such a person went over their minutes, and, you know... She doesn't want to pay, and so, but she signed the contract, and the judge says, is that true? Did you say, yes, yes, I signed the contract. And the prosecution says something to the effect of, what? Um, I rest my case. You know, she has to pay the penalties. And then Kevin Durant stands up, and he says, no, I refuse. That's unfair. I'm going to rip up that contract. Well, who are you? I mean, I know you can shoot a good three-pointer, but you have no authority to do that. Who are you? Well, he represents a company that's doing it. Because that company, I think it's Sprint. I'm a walking advertisement for technology today. I think Sprint will come, and no offense, Brad, who works for AT&T. But Sprint will come along and pay all the penalties for you to jump ship early and get out of that contract. You know, there's something messianic about that. Because those other companies aren't going to just waive the fee, are they? They're going to get paid. And see, that's the cost of sin. Is that sin in our lives requires payment. And it's a payment we can't pay. And yet Christ comes along and He says by His work on the cross, I'm ripping up that contract. And I'm giving you the freedom to walk away from it. And to come join me. What a beautiful picture, right? It never hurts to ask, know the character of your carrier. Know the character of your carrier. You see verse 19, he calls upon God's mercies. Your God is merciful. So you know what? Start praying that you avoid penalties. Because that's within, excuse me, that's within the character of God. Our babies are doing really well in here. They're all just doing, you guys, you're, I just, I, I don't have this, ex-cathedral, I don't know, whatever, I'm part upon you, instant membership, babies. There you go. Last point, Skype. Or FaceTime. How many of you know what Skype or FaceTime are? Okay. Grandparents in the room? Any grandparents? You Skype with uh, your grandchildren? Okay. Um, Let me just advise you young parents, you know, put your kid on Skype or FaceTime with the grandparents, you know, and and you'll, you'll perpetuate just some great 
conversation and just some great connection, lovingness. You know, the same thing works for us with God. That you start with the text, you move into prayer, but there's another thing, there's another deeper point. And if you had told me, you know, in my lifetime earlier, uh, you know, under age 20, that there would be a time that on my phone, I could sit there and look at uh, John Johnson over in Birmingham, England, and have a direct connect conversation with him and watch him talking to me. I would have thought, that's like the Jetsons coming real. Right? Isn't this scary? Like, I'm, I don't want to go back and think of all the things that they've, they've predicted are going to happen. But it can happen. We can have those conversations. And you know what's great about it is, I can text John. I can read his text and it's meaningful and I can learn from it. I can even call him on the phone. But you know what? There's something endearing when I can see them face to face. And, and it, it just kind of is like an impossibility until recently. You know, this idea of Skype and FaceTime is that issue of God going beyond just the text, just the prayer, and coming in for personal experience. That's what this point is all about. So let's look at the text and see, well, Pastor Jerry, how'd you get that? Well, something happens during the prayer. All right, verse 21 Actually, back it up to 20. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. God decides to pay a visit through Gabriel. Now, what's happening here? He's having great devotion and he's hearing from God. He's hearing from the text. He's responding in prayer. He does that out of a heart of worship. He does confession. And he's asking for God's mercy. There's your devotion. There's all that relationship. And God says, I'm going to interact with you in a very special and unique way. Does this happen for you and I? Yes. Yes, it does. But remember where Daniel started, right? He started in the text. And he received the message from God there. Then he responded in prayer and that deepened the relationship, that deepened the devotion. And then God, in a unique circumstance, decides to send Gabriel to send a message. So how does that work for you and I? Well, we can experience God face-to-face through certain ways. 2 Corinthians 3.18 explains this. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. What is this saying? That for you and I, when it says unveiled face, that means for those who have trusted Christ, because when the Holy Spirit lifts that veil, we can kind of see God, we can kind of know God, we can get this cognitive understanding, but we're not seeing Him fully. Then that veil is lifted by the Holy Spirit and it becomes so perfect, so beautiful. There's such a clear understanding. Not perfect understanding but a clear understanding because you're not obscured in your vision of god that it becomes irresistible you are drawn to him so those who believe is who he's talking about what's happening they're beholding the glory of god now are they meeting with the full presence and power of god no we can't handle the truth as what was what was said in a a popular movie years ago We can't handle the full presence of the glory of God. So what does this look like for you and I? It happens every day. How do we have this FaceTime, these unique experiences with God? 
when God sends a messenger like He does for Daniel, now He may not send Gabriel, but I would say He sends the following. Number one, through the Word. Just like Daniel, you start with the Word. Has your life been changed because of the Word of God? I hope so. Because God starts His communication there with us. Everything we need to know about God is right here first. Start there. Secondly, through prayer. God can show up in prayer in incredible ways. Not always the same way every time. But if you've been consistent in your prayer, if you've been devoted in your prayer, you know what I'm talking about. You understand that God can show up. Sometimes it's just our devotion to Him in just talking. Sometimes it will feel like a monologue, but other times it will feel like a dialogue. People. Sometimes God sends people. Have you ever experienced God's grace in that you were praying for something? You leaned on the dependency of a promise that was in Scripture, right? We start there. You see that you need that promise, so you're not afraid to ask, so you start asking, and then God suddenly has provided it through a person, and you didn't even realize it at first. And somewhere along the line, somebody's preaching about praying, and you start reviewing your requests and what's been happening in your life, and you're like, wait a minute, I was praying that, and this person just came and supplied this. That's FaceTime with God. Can I just share that with you? That's FaceTime with God. Next, teaching. Have you ever experienced a deeper sense of God and hearing God through teaching? I have. And I love it. But, you know, some of the mistakes we make is we put it all about teaching. That it's all about teaching. It's not. But there are some great things that happen through teaching where God speaks and God yields a special dispensation of Himself to you and your individual needs. Worship. I'm not just talking about playing guitar or playing music. I'm talking about setting aside a consecrated time to devote my attention, my full attention, my heart over to the Lord through various actions. Maybe it's like we talked about today, fasting. Maybe it's through... um, Ceremony. Maybe it is through music. Maybe it is through music. But worship is another way that God shows up. Crisis. You know, God showed up here to the people of Judah. Right? He's going to free them after 70 years. 70 years of what? 70 years of crisis. Because that's what it took for them to repent and to confess. If we're in a broken relationship, remember we talked about this, we're in a broken relationship and there's, that offense still exists. We're not going to be hearing from that person, are we? We're not going to have a clear channel to God if we've got sin in our life and we're not confessing it. But when this crisis brings me about to deal with the offense because God cares enough about us, Guess what? I confess and now I've got open channels. And now I'm going to experience what? Blessing. And God can show up in blessing in incredible ways, can't He? Some of you have been praying for individuals to come to know Christ. And you've seen it happen. But the previous months, that was more crisis, wasn't it? And you kept praying and you kept asking and you kept requesting 
over and over and asking for God's mercy and that He would show Himself and that Christ would come up and rip up that person's contract. And it happens. Do you feel closer to God because of that? Yeah, you do. Now you're hearing from God. Now you're hearing from God. Visions and dreams. Does God really come to us in visions and dreams? Yeah, of course. If I said no, I wouldn't believe in the Bible. Now, I know there's a lot of speculation out there that that time has ceased. Well, even with that, it says out of a prophecy of Joel that in the end times, young men will have what? Visions and dreams. So I don't necessarily believe that visions and dreams are something to be scared of. Is there a lot of false stuff out there? Absolutely. But I think we see written on all over the pages of the text in Old Testament and New Testament where God comes to an individual in a unique way, in a dream or a vision, to get a special communication and impartation across to us because He cares and He loves. So the devotion is built. It's these experiences, it's these FaceTime, it's these Skype things that give us this this glue of devotion to God. And the last point is spiritual apps. Throw some spiritual apps onto your, uh, onto your life. What do I mean by that? This is probably the best way that God shows up or the most consistent way that God shows up. Through all of these ways, excuse me, through all of these ways, the Spirit of God showing up and speaking to you and ministering to you in a supernatural way. My friends, if in our devotional time we seek this, we look for the Spirit of God to minister through the Word, through our prayer, through our requests, through our guidance, and we see that happen and we give exaltation towards it, I promise you're going to hear from God. And now you move from being bored and tired and listless in your Christian walk to someone who's thriving and burning with a passion for Christ. You want to hear God? Be devoted. Be devoted. How do you know if you're devoted? I'll leave you with this one practical outcome. You're going to hate me for it. You ready? Now I got your attention. Thanks for hanging in there. There's been a lot of information there. Here it is. Devotions. How do you know if you're devoted to God? Well, spending a day without the Lord should hurt more than spending a day without your phone. There you go. There you go. Think, think through that and, and what, that, what that would be like. Spend a day without any electronics and see how much it bothers you. Um, I don't know that our generation feels that as much as the younger generation, but you know what I mean. You get the point. Can you hear God? Be devoted to Him and you will. Let me close in prayer. Father, thank You for our time today. Speak to us out of Daniel's life, out of his pursuits, out of his passion. Teach us, Father, the importance of the text. Teach us, Father, how prayer is so integral as a response to the Word of God and to start communicating with You and hearing You. And then, Lord, show us those times where You answer the prayers, You respond to Your promises, by showing up in our lives so that we have a consistent devotion to You and that we are able to hear You on a consistent basis. Use this time. Use this instruction. Help us to change one degree today. In Your name we pray.
Amen.